Family should have a satellite. Basic social ladder thing. If you haven't got a satellite somewhere, then don't pitch for dinner. <laughs> Mark, hi. Good morning. Good morning from a sunny Johannesburg. It is raining down here in the Karoo. We love that. We're very happy. <laughs> Autumn is sprung, right? I know, I don't know. It works real. with you guys down there. Yeah. So, so welcome from a sunny, leaderless Johannesburg. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Tim Cohen. I'm the editor of Business Maverick. I'm talking as we usually do on Tuesday mornings with uh, Mark Barnes, who's an investment banker. We just review the week. We talk about stuff that interests us that has happened over the past week. Actually, what the one thing that is interesting this week, and it's not in the past week, it's in, on Thursday, is, is Freedom Day. Both of us are old enough to remember what life was like before the democratic elections in 1994. And we have lots of problems, as we have spoken about plenty. But I have to say, just for all of those people who don't have our long-toothedness, the uh, situation in South Africa, however bad it is, is so much better than it was prior to 1994. I mean, it is just remarkable that we live in a new country and we should celebrate it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who can forget standing all day in the queue might I argue for the first time, and embracing almost united South Africa. It was, it was borderline a miracle to pull off a constitutional democracy instead of a war, you might say, you know, given our, the non-homogeneity of our society. The challenge, of course, is now what do we do with this newfound freedom or old-found freedom? You know, who's in charge and do we need an infusion of young future thinking. Yeah, you know, as somebody, you know, both of us are, are getting oldish. I don't know how you feel about experienced. yourself. Experienced. <laughs> experienced. We oh, use the word experienced, you know. We're very experienced. But I must say, it is slightly disappointing to me that the political system seems to be, you know, more or less the same as it was in 1994. You know, big political changes haven't happened within South Africa. We've had one party in power effectively for all of that time. But more than that, the leadership of all parties you know, they're quite old. Some of them are, you know, older than us. <laughs> no. Shocking. Come on, <laughs> to be real. No, no, no. no. It's true. In charge and older <laughs> than us. There's something wrong with that, mate. Yeah. But we're not alone, let me say. Yes. No, no, no. Exactly. That's right. You only have to look to the USA, you know. And he wants another term. Can you, can you believe? He's, I think he's 80 or something. How do you feel about South Africa's aging political leadership? I mean, you don't want to criticize them necessarily just on the count of their age, because as you say, they are experienced. (laughs) But I would really would like to see a new generation. I mean, your experience at what? You know, I think we need to embrace change in however it needs to manifest from what was before to what was now. And there isn't a lot of change, as you mentioned earlier. We still have a sort of, you know, one dominant party we still have a different kind of apartheid defined by wealth now rather than by race. And we still haven't solved all of those barriers that we need to break through, bridges we need to cross to address inequality, poverty, and unemployment and, and the good old trodden three. But what's going to be necessary for that to happen, Tim, is for people with a longer future than their past to be in charge. Okay? You need to see a long-term future in order for you to invest rather than harvest. We're in a harvest mindset here. What we're trying to do is take what we can while we're still the boss. That's rubbish, okay? We need people whose children are a vested interest, who are here, whose wealth is here and going to be created here, and who can see a 20-year game 
because we need a 20-year game. Yeah, no, 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 totally, totally agree. It's one thing for one political party to be in power for a long period of time. But, you know, the same leaders are in power. That's part of the problem. They have the same mindset. They think of the world in the same kind of way. You can sort of see it in, you know, speeches they make. They're sort of harping back to their glory days and not focusing sufficiently on change and on what a modern society needs. I think it was Golda Meir who famously said, we won't get there until we love our future more than we hate our past. That's our challenge in South Africa. We need to hand over the baton and sit back and watch the enablement of a, of a new society. Because on the ground and on the sports fields, for that matter, we're over it. Yeah. We found common purpose. We found national pride and we win. Okay. Yeah. I think that you almost find that the outdated leadership suppresses new ideas and suppresses awkward and innovative engagement and so on. And so that's not going to get us there. We need to leave our old stuff. You know, when someone asks you what you're doing and you tell them what you used to do, yes, it's the first sign that you don't think you've got a future. If your qualifying criteria to lead the future is what you did only in the past and not the ideas you have for the future, you're disqualified, man. No, totally. But you're not alone, eh? Not alone around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, y- you would be surprised. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of European leaders are sort of fairly young. They're not sort of kids, but, you know, they're in the 30 to 40 age group. Whereas a lot of African leaders are, you know, in the, you know, 70 to 80 age group. There's one glaring exception, which is President Biden, who now wants to go for a second term. No call. I mean, there are two things you shouldn't do as a leader. You shouldn't show off and you shouldn't suck up. And what I see Biden increasingly doing is going down to look for causes to endorse rather than looking for a future to design. That means that you end up appointing followers. You end up perpetuating the past rather than embracing the future. And that, you know, beyond these leadership discussions of old age, old age and our longevity is going to bite us in the butt, Okay. I mean, in, you know, in Japan and places like that, you have four generations living in one household. You have more nappies being sold to aging men than to young babies. You have all of these economic challenges, which we're going to have in our country. We already got, you know, how long does your pension last? Yeah. And so people have to work and work and work. And so the workplace is cluttered. There's no space for new thinking. And the weak leadership suppresses innovative thought. You know what's a good example of this? There's something that I was writing about this week is Starlink. I don't know whether you've been following this, and I should disclose, you know, I would be a a user of Starlink if I had the opportunity. So what's happened is Elon Musk has fired off something like 4,000 satellites into low Earth orbit, and he he is pumping out the internet on these satellites, right? And they have a a, a fantastic utility of being able to, to be received anywhere. So actually for Africa, this is great. There are huge numbers of rural residents in Africa where you physically can't get cable, or you could, but it just wouldn't be financially viable to do so. So this is a very innovative new service. It's been rolling out over the world over the past four years. There's a whole bunch of countries that have got it. Most of South America's got it. Most of North America's got it. Most of Europe has got it. There's parts of Asia that have got it. There's three countries in Africa that have it. Nigeria, Rwanda, and Mauritius. And all of South Africa's neighbors are going to get it within the next year or two. 
you can see on the map, there's a map about when, you know, the, the Starlink kickoff date. But with South Africa, they don't know when it's going to happen. There's a little sort of like sign on the thing which says they don't know what's going to happen. So, and the, and the problem is our legislation was designed for the period when the cell phone industry was in its infancy. So all of our legislation is designed around that point. So it's actually quite difficult to add on a new player now. You know, you need gumption within the, you need somebody within the communications department who, who is aware of all of these international trends and who is, you know, motivated to go and change the legislation to make sure that this new service is available. To me, that's a, it's a sort of like stuck in the past mentality rather than a, a sort of future orientated mentality. Well, let me say this. First of all, every family should have a satellite. It's just a basic social ladder thing. If you haven't got a satellite somewhere, then don't pitch for dinner. That's a fair, I mean, this thing is now going to be passed around like the proverbial soccer ball between the Department in Communications and ICASA, and, and it's going to be bounced around, passing on the responsibility between the minister and this minister and that minister and so on. At least we haven't got three ministers in communication. So that's the first problem. The second problem is vested interest. Okay. This is about control and this is about vested and entrenched uh, economics. Absolutely. So, so, so that's what it's about. And so, you know, we do need to get in all facets of what we're doing here, we need to get past this need to control, to hold down. I mean, we see this in the social grants debate. We see it everywhere where you almost get the sense that we're encouraging group failure so that we can control it. And so I object strongly to all of that. I think the wisdom is to create a dependent society is not to create a thriving society. All of this disintermediation needs to explode. We need to be like everyone else, man, if we, you know. It's a good example of a failure of imagination. It's a good example of, of exactly what you were talking about, people who are more interested in the past than they are in the future. And just by the way, so this is not only government, right? This is also the industry. Because you haven't heard anybody in the cell phone industry saying, you know what we need? We need satellite internet. What they are saying is, we don't need it. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we've seen this in business. IBM said you'll never build a small computer. Right. Kaku Lake, no. Yeah, Kodak exactly. said digitized people will never take over celluloid. Kaku Lake, no. I mean, so those who, however long they can last, hold out against imperative change, fail. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think people don't realize how, how dynamic our society has become. I read something somewhere about how innovations tend to combine with each other. One innovation supports a secondary innovation, supports a tertiary innovation. So eventually, it, the innovative process is extrapolates. It's not a straight line. No, absolutely. It's a compounding process. Yeah, it's a compound. This enables that, which enables that, which shortens the time to get there. I mean, that's exactly what technology is supposed to do. Why would you stand in its way? Can you give me a single argument exactly. against Starlink for us? It reduces the cost. It enables you know, faster and broader community. There's no argument against it. So you know, why don't you jump into that stream and find your position to battle rather than try and you know, dam the stream up where you, you'll be overrun eventually because eventually you'll be able to access a satellite without permission, man. I presume eventually Starlink will arrive in South Africa. Sure. It's just a matter of signaling, I think. 
if you were an active, engaged communications minister, you should be in favor of encouraging change, not restricting it in any way. You should go out of your way to be the first in the queue. You know, make a point of it. Make a political campaign about being first, not about the rules. All these legacy, I mean, banks have got legacy assets. I mean, you know, we've got legacy communication debates about, you know, the value of, of signal and all of those kinds of things. And so, you know, you can hold on to those wars for as long as you like, but eventually the crowd eagerness and the obvious merit will overtake you. So why don't you be an early enabler and an early engager and get the best of it? And by the way, I can see why business tries to protect their market share and their existing products and so on. But government's function is not to do that. Government's function is to advance civil society's opportunities and things, okay? And so they should be spearheading rather than the point of resistance, such enabling change, as you say, particularly in Africa, which is absent the physical infrastructure. Go Starlink! Go Starlink! Oh, okay. <laughs> Link us stars, stars to Link the us to the stars, for goodness sake. We've got a campaign there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. We've got a slogan. To be. We're, we're, we're on our way. Yeah. Link us to the stars already. Yeah. <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Joburg mayor, because I just want to brag a bit about the fact that we've got a mayor, and you live in Johannesburg, and... You know, it's kind of sad you you don't have a mayor again, by the way. You might have a mayor, but I'm not sure you got a town. But we're not gonna go there. Okay. So, <laughs> so no, hey, it's it's appalling. It's pathetic. Okay. I think we've had four mayors in the last two years or something. Okay. And and it's self evident uh, that what we've got there is a mud wrestling match, you know, not the appointment of competence. I think the mayoral debate and the appointment of the mayor should be taken out of politics completely. The politicians should gather to appoint a professional team. And, you know, that team should, if you like, run the organization that is Johannesburg's, not the politicians. I mean, this is a pervasive criticism, the results of which we've seen. So forget about the coalition rubbish. Forget about all of that. We mustn't appoint politicians to run cities. We must appoint city managers and technocrats and experts to run cities. That's the fundamental flaw. Yeah, what we're talking about is that last night, the Johannesburg mayor, Tabelo Hamad, walked the gangplank, as the <laughs> Maverick says this morning. And there's going to be a, a vote next week or something to, to get another one, to try and elect a new one. And the, and the, the reason for, for this is that the Patriotic Alliance has swapped its coalitions. It's now with the, I don't know what they call it, the Moonshot Coalition or the Rainbow Coalition or whatever. The, <laughs> one of the dual leaders of the Patriotic Alliance, Gayson McKenzie, he was trying to be mayor himself or he wanted to be mayor himself. He's apparently, he's accepted that it's not going to happen. He's chosen another person from one of the smaller parties, his preferred candidate, but they're still going to negotiate about it. You know, we criticized the ANC and the EFF for choosing somebody from one of the smaller parties. And, you know, to me, exactly the same criticism applies to the Moonshot Coalition. If they can't agree on a leader, honestly, what they mustn't do is to elevate somebody from one of the very small parties. That is a cop-out. Well, it's not only a cop-out. It's an insult to ever accept such a nomination. Yeah. It's like a pre-admission that you're a puppet. And it's, it's appalling, okay? And you would have thought that there'd be enough evidence to suggest 
But the, the question is, what's the objective? What are the objectives of the politicians? The objectives are not to run Johannesburg. Okay. The objectives are getting access to the budget. Until you change that purpose, you're not going to get the right result. Yeah, yeah. Okay, until you until you want to move away, again we get to the same common thread. Until you want to move away from taking what's there to building what isn't, you're going to have this debate forever. And we, I, I think we'll get there because we're close to total failure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I mean, we're going to look back fondly. Sorry, you know, Tim, we're going to look back fondly on the days when we had scheduled load shedding, okay? Because I'm now seeing where I live and Goodness knows how bad it must be in less affluent places. But we're now seeing power breaks and breakdowns and, and tripping and things of that nature, okay? The load shedding, we're going to celebrate how fabulous that was when you knew it was going to happen. So the deterioration, the crumbling is, is starting to be very real and immediate. Yeah. So let's change the topic, otherwise we make ourselves too depressed. I mean, fascinated by the animal world. Of, I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, animals are back. Okay, so <laughs> the first story was about these oaks who stole, okay, Nochal, a 2.5-meter crocodile. Now, I wouldn't look for shit with anyone who can steal a 2.5 million crocodile. I'd go like, yours, mate, keep it. Okay, <laughs> But they found this crocodile somewhere in the northwest. They'd stolen it, and when they found it, the people who... Stolen it, hidden it under a few branches. How do they do that? I don't know. And why do they steal it? I guess they're going to skin it and make some handbags or something. Well, I'll tell you this for free. You're a brave man that wants to skin a 2.5 crocodile. So good luck to them. I wouldn't arrest them. Just leave them with the crocodile. <laughs> yeah, yes, I would yes. starve the crocodile and see what happens. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing. That, uh, the, the real story of the week, animal-wise, is for infestation of cockroaches that's about to engulf us. Okay. And I've only got two courses of action which I'd recommend for that. First of all, clean up your house. But more importantly, start looking up some recipes. Okay. Because the only way we're really going to deal with these cockroaches is to eat them. Okay. Oh, so fry God, them Mark. up. No. <laughs> yeah, no. And <laughs> no. put them in a, in a, a lacquer sauce and, and oh, have please. to serve them up as an extraordinary delicacy. Okay. So that's my plan. I'm, I'm looking up recipes. <laughs> Okay, well, tell you, let us know when you find one. And by all means, yeah. try them out. You know what I mean? Don't, don't <laughs> hold back or anything. Just uh, give, us, give us reviews of the different... Uh, Tuck in. Well, listen, thanks very much. Um, it's been very interesting. Uh, please do rate us if you like our podcast on any of the podcast platforms. And Mark, next week, more freedom. Yeah, and, and you must, I must say thank you for the increasing support. We're getting a lot of feedback and we need that. No, no, it's, fa it's fantastic. Yeah, that's really yeah. great. Thank you. Cool, mate. Cheers. Cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.